everybody. I'm fucking ready. <laughs> hey, I mean, we <clears throat> we do our stuff to set ourselves apart for a reason. Like that's why, you know, that's what we tell people. We we are different mm-hmm. for a reason. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're doing things the way we're doing it. And you know, it we you and I talked about this pretty at length between Saturday and Sunday with both of our football teams losing, um, which we're not talking about the Packers today. That'll be taking place on Sunday morning. Um, We will be live at 11 a.m. at Game Day Sports Bar in Appleton. Uh, Simon and Bryant will be there as well as myself. Jake, I'm not sure if you're going to make it or not. Still Um, on the fence. Still on the fence. All right. Um, but Simon Bryant and I will be there for sure at the game day sports bar in Appleton. Simon and Bryant are going to the game that night. So the three of us are going to be there for sure and get a, a live Packers show. So if you are in the Appleton green Bay, you know, city area, uh, 11 AM at the green or game day, I almost said green day. I was like, oh, that's not right. <laughs> game day sports bar in Appleton. will be live there starting at 11 o'clock. Um, <clears throat> so as Jake and I were, were starting the show, um why would you climb on top of a fence? <laughs> That's it's just, he can it's decide just a, which side he wants to come down on. Yeah, it's the best place to make a decision. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, so Jake and I we were kind of starting this conversation, having a little bit of a dialogue on why we are the way that we are and what sets us apart from other sports podcasts. So whether it be you know, it's like the pack a day thing that Andy Herman does, or, you know, there's, there's tons of Packers podcasts out there. We're not the only ones that talk about the Packers. We're not the only ones that talk about the Brewers. We're not the only ones to talk about the Bucks. I'm sure we're not the only ones to talk about the Badgers. Although I don't know of many of them, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've kind of become the quote unquote one-stop shop, even though now, now we're two, just because we don't want to bog people down with a four hour episode. When we talk about yeah. the Badgers, the Packers, the Bucks, and the Brewers all in the same show, but What's up, James? But the other thing that sets us apart is that in the last, I'd say, year and a half or so, Jake and I have taken a real hard stance on wanting to do all of our sports analysis from a more positive point of view and a more optimistic outlook moving forward when talking about our teams. Now, the Badgers, unfortunately, suffered a tough loss this weekend, an unexpected loss, a frustrating loss, all of these things. Jake and I feel all of these things. Now, we made some posts on Facebook, um, shorter one on Twitter, but on Facebook was where the longer one was, how despite the Badgers losing what we knew was a frustrating game, that we were going to discuss the positive takeaways. Because we that's what we do. We look for the positive takeaways regardless of the outcome of the games. We always look for those positive takeaways and and then we look for how to improve things. Now, Jake and I were the recipients of what I would say is some backlash. I, I'll call it I'll call it backlash, whether it be um, being accused of just being coach talk when we say we're Mm -hmm. looking for positive takeaways or it's all sunshines and rainbows because we're not spending all of our time complaining and criticizing or, you know, that we're just, we're just doing these things because we don't want to criticize or that it should, you know, people should be allowed to criticize. And, you know, that's, you know, that is what it is. And what, what Jake and I have, have really started to question is, 
how people react to teams that they are supposedly such strong, die hard. You know, every Sunday I'm wearing green and yellow, and every Saturday I'm wearing red and white. And those people can go and make such harsh, strong posts about the teams that they're supposedly fans of. And, you know, then we have people asking us, um, you know, who are you to question somebody's character and things like that? It's like, well, since we've been doing this the way that we are, we are taking this into account. We are constantly looking at these things and the effects that, that it has not only on us, but on people in general. So, you know, we've, you know, we've started to understand, you know, how people don't like just logging in, opening up Facebook and seeing the first thing that they see is somebody that's in the Brewers group that they're in is somebody complaining about Craig Council and that the Brewers season is over, despite there being three weeks of the season left. Uh, and now it's the Badgers and now it's the Packers. It's all of it. Uh, so Matt's kind of getting into the point that I want to bring up about people having a hard time being called out or they took it the wrong way is that I think when we bring stuff like this up, that it forces people to confront the fact that they might not like something about themselves. Now, I'm far from a perfect person, but I would rather be a work in progress than saying, let me be miserable and don't question it. I'm going to let you keep talking because I almost just said something very bad. Okay, so mean. <laughs> essentially, it comes down to basically there's three different types of complaining. So there's um, <clears throat> chronic complaining, venting, and instrumental complaining. Um, chronic complaining are the ones that are never satisfied, always focusing on setbacks, not progress. Um, and if, if you keep thinking in that that term, those those ways of thinking, your your brain basically gets wired to see it only that way. Mm -hmm. You know, um, mm -hmm. venting is, is a way of expressing emotional dissatisfaction. Um, that type of complaining is usually about getting attention. So that's, you know, we talked about it last week about being the first person to run to social media to complain just so that people can agree with you that also want to complain. Um, you know, it's not, you're not really looking for a solution out of that, but you're just looking for personal validation, uh -huh. which, you know, is fine. Like I understand the want to have other people feel the same way that you do, especially if you're in a, you know, a tough situation or a, you know, a tough emotional state. I get that. But also imagine having the, having a positive mindset and then having people agree with you, how uplifting that could be. Just a thought. Then the third type is um, instrumental complaining. It's basically quoting, quote unquote, how to complain well. Um, it's focusing on how to solve problems, um, focusing on the, the impact of the problem, how to implement change, and then making a plan for that change. Hmm. Um, and studies show that up to 25% or less of complaining is that type. And this is where Jake and I, we talk about sports and we talk about the Brewers, the, you know, the Badgers, about how teams can improve and what they can improve. So it's not just, you know, we're not being sunshines and rainbows just because we're not saying the Badgers played really shitty and that the Packers season is over. <laughs> we know that there are there's frustrations, but take the things that didn't go well 
And Jake and I, instead of saying, here's everything that went wrong, you just change the focus on it and change the perspective from here's everything that went wrong to here's what needs to improve. <laughs> no, it's not tea and crumpets, Dan. We're doing sunshines and rainbows right now. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's just a, a change in mindset. It's not that we're not criticizing or it's not that we're not, you know, looking, you know, and noticing the bad things that happen because obviously we notice them. Mm. And obviously it frustrates us too. But we have chosen to take a stance and a mindset of what can be improved instead of what went wrong. It's just the change in the verbiage and that's enough to, to make a, a, a change in your mindset. And then we want to take that not only from, from sports talk, but to be able to potentially help people make those changes in their lives and potentially make their lives better. Um, overreaction is definitely a thing, James. That's the, that's the knee jerk reaction or, you know, the one game sample size that the Packers season is over after one game, even yeah. though we like, lost 38 to three last year and still went 13 and four over. Oh, James remembers that one. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Matt said he knows personally it's easy to just lash back and get offended when you call out for bad behavior, even when you know deep down that's wrong. Um, tons of people just lack the maturity to own it and recognize that you've gone too far. Uh, Matt said, I feel like I've grown a lot, but unfortunately there's a ton of people that don't care or refuse to listen. Well, that's something that hopefully we can, we can help, you know, as, as our show grows is that we can get more people to kind of, you know, jump on our, not, not a bandwagon, but like, you know, get in line with our, our line of thinking and say, you know, you know, when you put it like that as, as instead of looking at what went wrong, instead of and looking at what can improve, that's a really small change to make. And that's somewhere to start. So, you know, maybe for people that are like, you know, I, I want to be a more positive, but I can't, you know, I can't, I don't know where to start. Maybe start there with, instead of saying what went wrong, say what can improve. Because then you're you're uplifting, you're focusing on progress and not focusing on negativity. So I think that's important. Now, real quick on the I should be allowed to criticize thing. Um, oh boy! So I'm just I'm just gonna go I'm just gonna go here real quick. So oh the, boy, the the line that we draw is criticizing and bashing. So criticism in and of itself, the definition of criticism is the expression of disapproval of, of someone or something based on perceived faults or mistakes. That doesn't sound so bad. You know, it's just, you know, you're looking at things that should have been done differently. Um, mm -hmm. Synonyms in the dictionary for criticism, condemnation, berating, abuse, nitpicking, knocking, slamming. Now, the definition of bashing is just criticizing severely. Neither of those things are productive, nor will they have any sort of positive benefit for anybody else. Keep in mind that, you know, Jake and I get pretty in-depth with the stuff that we talk about. Not mm -hmm. everybody's that way. Some people just like turning on the Packer game and watching on Sundays, and then they don't pay attention to it from Monday through Saturday. There are Some those of those people, people are true. still in Packers fans groups. So they you, you know they come in and they see all this negativity. Like, do you think that makes them more or less excited to watch the next game the next Sunday? That's a good point. So now the guy that I read this article on psychology today said that he describes bashing as disparaging something with the intention of making it look bad 
and that criticism is the expression of disapproval and involving judgment. So that's none of that stuff is productive. So sure, defend your right to criticize, but also Jake and I, I guess, would, would advocate for at least somewhat constructive <clears throat> criticism because that's the way that we do it. We just don't call it criticism. We, we choose to take it as how can things be improved? Yep. That and is... then we go, we go, or I should say, we should say what can be improved and then we answer how. So you'll see that, especially today in the, the recap and preview of the Badger game, we're going to talk about what can improve. And then in the preview, we're going to talk about how to improve it. We've done it all, all summer long with baseball season with the Brewers. We talk about what can be improved. Obviously, it was offense and it was hitting and, you know, all these certain situations. And then we bring in statistics and say this is what they can change. Mm -hmm. Obviously, at this stage of the season, we're, we're pretty much in the same spot that we've been in all year. So there's not really anything new in that department, but the Badgers are just getting started and the Packers have played literally one game. <laughs> the season is not over. The Badger season isn't over e either, people. Like we got some big marquee games that if they win those games, they're right back in the hunt. And we don't know we don't know what's gonna happen. Alabama could lose. They didn't look very good versus Texas. I mean, Georgia looks like the best team in the country again. I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen. Notre Dame's Nobody lost twice already. Yeah, nobody knows what's going to happen. So I'm going to add a few thoughts to what Tyler just said, by the way. Uh, Matt, I uh, appreciate you joining. James, Dan, you guys are always here, so I really appreciate you guys coming here. Um, Matt, I hope that we are helping you out. Uh, honestly, you you are a guy that is a very emotional guy like myself. Uh, I'm a very emotional guy. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. Um, I'm just going to add something because Dan's comment kind of kind of got to me. The day when sports changed for me was, and this sounds so cliche, but the day that I became a dad, I realized that. Like, I knew that's where you were going with that. It, it, <laughs> but it was on game seven day, so I get it. Because it's true, man. Because, you know, when I saw my daughter born, I was like, that's the most important th thing in the world to me. You know, like I, I'm still hardcore. Like me and you are still hardcore. We're both dads. I will still move somebody's funeral for a Packer game. Like I'm not missing the Packers game, but like, at the end of the day, do I get upset? Yes. Are you allowed to feel upset? Are you allowed to feel mad? Yes. We're not saying that you're not allowed to feel emotions. We're just saying there's better ways to show them. You don't instantly have to go and start bashing Christian Watson because he dropped a pass. Yeah. It's okay. You know, there was routes during that game where he was open and Rodgers didn't look his way. Yeah. And that's how Rodgers works. And that's something that Rodgers can work on himself. Rodgers yeah. isn't perfect, even though he's a four-time MVP. The offensive line needs work. I mean, there's a lot of stuff with the Packers yep. that we can improve on, that we could talk about, that we will talk about on Sunday. So there's that point. The Badgers, there's so many things that they can improve on. Same thing, offensive line, yep. wide receivers. It's the same kind of concepts. But you don't have to be the first person in line to just talk shit. It doesn't have to happen. I'm sorry. And finally, we're not trying to create a cult, I promise. I know that it kind of no, looks that way. No. But if we can I would even say help personal development more than a Yeah. If, if we can even help one person, say one person a year, that is more than 99% of the people on this planet are doing. Because most people and that's real. <laughs> I didn't even that's, look up that yeah. number, but that's probably accurate. Yeah. You know, most people are just go to work, come home, 
do what I got to do after work, play my video games or, or go do, go work out or go to kickboxing or whatever the hell it is, whatever your, your hobbies are. Watch Netflix. Our, our hobby is Wisco Fanatics. We want to talk about our sports teams. We want to give them sports, the yeah. limelight, but then we also want to help people and we want to help shape people into positive people because that, yeah. the world needs more positive people. And we have so many followers in this world and we're just two guys trying to be leaders in a world full of followers. So take it for what it is. James, you know, I appreciate you, Matt. Same. Let's talk about some brewers. What do you think? I want to real quick, just on, just on your point, because you made a good point that, you know, everybody gets upset about things once in a while. Like, obviously it's, there's no secret that the Packers haven't won every single Super Bowl ever. And the Brewers haven't won a world series and the Bucks lost in the playoffs after winning the title. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. It's you, it's out of your control. What happens, but what you can control is how you react to it. <laughs> So your immediate reaction is just your emotion, but after that, how you how you go and then move forward from it, that's all in your mind. That's the part of you you can train much easier than you can train how to you know your emotions, because like obviously yeah it sucks. Like the Christian Watson drop is a perfect example of this because you can see that Christian Watson dropped what would have been a seventy-five yard touchdown on the first play of the game. Yeah, it sucks, and everybody's like, oh, he's got him, he's got him, and then it's, oh, he dropped it. Like, everybody felt that way. That's a Packers fan. But you can choose how you react to that, whether it be we need to cut him, Rodgers needs to not throw him the ball, we need to go sign this guy. Yeah, or Yeah, I saw that. Or we should have signed OBJ, even though he wouldn't be playing right now, even if we did. But You'll understand it when Jake and I and Simon and Bryant talk about this on Wednesday or on Sunday. I mean, today is Wednesday. When we talk about it on Sunday, the thing that we're going to choose to look at with that play is how he cooked Patrick Peterson on that route. Yes, sir. Absolutely spun him around. Yes, That's sir. how you find a positive takeaway from a negative event. He got open so, a few times, man. Yeah. Um. What's coming? Was there? Yeah, Matt, I agree. Uh, Matt said, I was just sad for Watson because that would have been a beautiful and sensational moment yeah, for him. I agree 100%. Um, and I'm going to piggyback off Tyler, you know, talking about all Packers fans. I found myself on Sunday kind of acting like the old me for a sec. Because I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and I freaking threw down my water bottle. And my daughter, and I'm watching my daughter, and she's looking at me. And she's like, yo, bro, chill the hell out. <laughs> she said all that with her eyes. She can't talk yet. But I was just like, yeah, I probably need to settle down. So I was a little bit quieter for the rest of the game. But, yeah, it, it was it was one of those moments. Um, David is a little bit more uh, blunt about the situation. He said, you can't fix stupid, <laughs> and some fans are stupid. Um, I would like to direct that towards the Bears fans section of this conversation. <laughs> Since, you know, it's war week. <laughs> That's just my opinion on that. Um you can, you can always be better. Um, and Matt, I am glad that this podcast is helping you, man. That honestly gives me like a feel good feeling. Like that's why I was just going to leave that comment on the screen for a little while. Cause that really does. That's the validation for us. Mm -hmm. And that, that part of validation is obviously making you and I smile. Yeah, That's a positive validation. Like 
you know, the people that, that want to fire Craig Council because he pulled Freddie Peralta in the middle of a no-hitter, and you get people coming in and saying, fire Clownsel and all that. Like, does that make you feel good that people agree with you on that? They're like the or, boys or does, school that have a shitty life when they go home. <laughs> or or does, you know, helping the prospect or the progress of another person. Like, that's such that's such a much better feeling. Like, I, yeah, that's... Dude, that makes, like, staying up late, doing these notes, preparing for what I'm going to say. Like, that, may, that makes it worth it, man, when yeah. I know I'm helping somebody. Yeah, I appreciate it, Matt. Brewers game, so maybe I was lucky to not see most of the Packers game. <laughs> it was yeah, rough, it was man. It was rough. Hey, it was still um, nice to see football back, man. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say about that. We Tim? waited so long. <laughs> Tim, you ought to be at the live show on Sunday morning. Sunday at 11 in Appleton. You ought to be there, Tim. Um, I expect Taylor to be there, too. I don't know if Taylor's watching or not, but I think he lives in the area. So Taylor's Taylor ought to be there, too. Taylor's supposed to hook up with us on freaking Fortnite, man. I'm, yeah, still, waiting for, I'm still waiting for that to go down. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt, also, if you had nothing better to do, you could probably leave Indiana today, and I'm sure you'd be here by Sunday if you want to drive up. <laughs> um um, Matt said he wishes people could remember Council's a human being and grew up a Brewers fan that he loves the franchise and is probably more passionate than most of the fan base. I'm sure that that, that is all true. Um, the other thing that people have that Council don't is hindsight. Wow. So, and a um, World Series ring. I thought too. <laughs> That's mean, what I thought you were going to say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, like the main thing is hindsight. So people are like, oh, yeah. he pulled Woodruff after seven innings and 92 pitches. Why didn't he leave him in for the eighth? Like, he had a five run lead. That's why he didn't leave him in for the eighth inning. And his spin was lowering and his stuff was down. Um, yes, Tim, Sunday in Appleton. That'll be Sunday morning at 11 o'clock at Game Day Sports Bar in Appleton. Uh, it's, uh, right. it's pretty close. If you like sushi, Tim. Uh, there's a sushi place right across the street. Uh, God, what is it called? Jesus. See, uh, and I was just telling the the game day sports bar manager last night. I'm like, yeah, the place was recommended to me because of the food and that it's a cool place. And Jake's like, yeah, there's actually this sushi place across well, the street. Dude, the food. So they're day, not going to welcome us back again. The food is awesome. <laughs> I'm just going to say the food is awesome. The vibe is cool there. They have like a big volleyball court and stuff. It's really big, really big. It's awesome. Um, But there is a sushi place really close to it. And it like it goes on the plates and then it goes around like a boat around the whole thing and you kind of pick what you want. I don't even like sushi, but I was like, Jake's just there for the boat. Oh this, my god. This environment is fucking sick, bro. Like, this is awesome. Like, I'm picking my food off a plate boat. This is sick. <laughs> I don't even like it. He's gonna get you a model train and it'll sit you in the middle and you can just watch it go around. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Uh sushi island, that's what it's called, Dan. Yeah, dude, that place is awesome. Matt, if you're in town, let us know. They have a they have a freaking Wisconsin brat sushi roll thing. Hmm. That one is the only one I ate the entire time, and I was there for so, two hours. So between the brat and the the moving train boat, that's what that's where your focus was. Yeah, man, it was. Uh, it fucks. I mean, I don't like sushi either, guys. It was just a cool environment. Okay, God, I was just Jake was literally just there for the train, you guys. Don't even start. <laughs> Don't even start. <laughs> don't don't start. Uh, okay, nobody likes there. sushi. Fuck Jake, I guess. Sorry. Don't bro, the moving object. The if it was shiny, Jake wouldn't have even known there was food there. 
Eat bras and drink beer, <laughs> pussy. <laughs> oh, no, David. Hard. Don't start. Don't get them going. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> I don't even like sushi, Matt. I'm just trying to give people a place uh, to go, man. I'm Let's... much more of a steak and potatoes guy. That's what Yeah, I mean. and me too. All right. So let's start with the double header from last Thursday. Uh, let's start with game one of the double header, arguably the best game of the week, but let's start with game one. Yeah, man. Uh, Brewers were limping. They were they were feeling sorry for themselves. And Corbin Burns said, nah, none of that. Uh, he came yeah. out. <laughs> Nick Green is uh, – Nick is definitely more about it. Uh, Burns gave us eight innings, three hits, one earned run, and 14 strikeouts and zero walks. Damn. That is Cy Young Award winner stuff when we yeah. freaking needed it the most, man. Yes. Uh, Williams, one inning, nothing across the board, no Ks, no walks, no earned runs, and no hits. Um, the RBIs uh, for the game, because we won this one two to one, was Yelich and Renfro. They both had doubles. Uh, it was Renfro's 18th double and Yelich's 21st double. Um, so we won this one two to one, and this was a much needed win. But what made it better, you know, because we have hindsight and we see into the future, was that they mm. won the next game. So why yes. don't you go over the next game? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some stuff in there about game one as well. Because um Burns Burns went just absolutely nuts to start this game. He struck out two in the first inning, start struck out the side in the, the second inning, only had one in the third. Um he did get hurt by two two out hits. Um but he did only give up the one run, and then he had two more strikeouts in the fourth. Um, Devin Williams pitched a one, two, three, ninth inning. Um, <laughs> the eighth inning that Corbin Burns pitched was the only inning that he didn't um, strike a batter out because he struck out two more in the fifth, three in the sixth again, and then one in the seventh. Um, yeah, Matt said we almost got through a doubleheader without a Jock Peterson home run. I hope he signs in the AL next year. Yeah, um, seriously, Jesus Christ. Yeah, so that would be that would be fine with me. Um, I want to point out Adonis and Urias for both playing very good middle defense in this game. I wanted to make sure I gave them credit for that. Um, Brewers were two for four with runners in scoring position. And then the other thing that I like to bring up, one is that Yelich's double was an opposite field hit that scored Peterson. Yep. And then Renfro had his ground rule double. Uh, the last thing I want to mention about this game, Brewers only struck out six times as a team very very low that's what i like to see it often correlates with wins not always but often correlates with winning is is low strikeouts and then high strikeouts usually correlates with losing not always again but usually so second game we knew kind of going into this that freddie's shoulder wasn't 100 percent uh we could tell by you know the times that he was pulled in his last two starts they skipped a start for him um, he did get two strikeouts in the first and one in the second inning, um, finished with just two innings pitched, um, three strikeouts, two walks, and he did go on the injured list, but he did say after the game that he will pitch again this season. Mm -hmm. So there is a little bit of encouraging news there that he will pitch again this season. Um, <clears throat> um, Brasso, Willie Adamas, Christian Yelich all get on base. Hunter Renfro hits a really sharp line drive at, uh, Evan Longoria, who's been a really good third baseman for a very long time oh, yeah. in oh, Major yeah. League Baseball. Um, 
and then Keston hit a sacrifice fly that scored Yelich that gave the Brewers their three runs. Um, Strzelecki comes in, gets a strikeout and two flyouts. Um, everybody but Hero was on base at least once in this game. The Brewers did leave nine guys on base, but um, Freddie, you know, that's he's back. I mean, he's going to be back. It's just you want to be careful with him that it doesn't start to affect next season as well yeah. or potentially the playoffs if he's good to go for that. Um, what's nice about the position that the Brewers are in is that they can piggyback Freddie with somebody, whether it be Adrian Hauser or Aaron Ashby, that they can kind of piggyback some guys. Um, Luis Urias got hit in the in the head with a, a pitch in the helmet. It didn't hit him in the face or his head, but it hit him in the helmet. Um, and then Garrett Mitchell had a long fly ball to left field that scored him. Um, Brad Boxberger, he did give up the run, but I will say that he, you know, it's not like, oh, here's Boxberger, typical Boxberger, giving up another run. He did get the ground ball that he needed to get a double play to get out of the inning. The relay just wasn't in time. So, you know, Brad Boxberger got what he needed to get out of the inning, but the the relay just wasn't in time. Um, He did just give up the one run. Um, And then Matt Bush came in, struck out Louis Brinson, former Brewer Brinson, to end the inning. Um, he did give up the home run to Jock Peterson. You know, it was a tough pitch to hit out to, which, you know, just makes it suck more. It was like a low and inside pitch that like could have hit him in the kneecap, but he just swings four minutes before the pitch gets there and pulls it inside the, inside the bubble pole. Um, and then Bush settled down, struck out the next batter, Taylor Rogers, three strikeouts in the ninth inning, struck them all out swinging. Um, the Brewers did strike out, eight times in this game. It's not terrible. That's kind of right around the average, actually. Um, Mm -hmm. 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position in this one. Still got a win, though, which is the important thing. (sighs) Um, It just basically came down to everyone doing enough individually for the team to win. Um, And, yeah, Freddie seems like a light dude. I think he's actually, like, one of the more outgoing players that the Brewers have. Um, especially when it comes to like signing autographs before games and stuff like that. Like Freddie's always really outgoing that way. And yes, and he, I think he would be a strong candidate, especially if he's not a hundred percent to piggyback should the Brewers be able to get into the playoffs. But I will let Jake talk about the second game of the doubleheader. Yeah. I was bummed to hear about Peralta too, Matt. Uh, he's also one of my favorite players. Um, he's just, He's fire. He's electricity when I watch him. I, I enjoy watching him pitch because um, you never know what's going to happen. He can give up five runs or he can strike out ten people. You're like, I don't – it's kind of like the Brett Favre effect for me with Freddie Peralta. You never know where it's going to go, but it's exciting. <clears throat> He's going to be passionate. Um, I just wanted to give a shout-out to Gary Mitchell. Uh, the guy, I mean, just coming into the majors and – it's not like he's coming into the majors on like opening day where like, you know, we have all these games. He's coming into the majors mm-hmm. at a time when like, it's a very delicate time for the Brewers. Yeah. I <laughs> Matt, Matt was meaning a literal piggyback. Like a piggyback, I knew what right? he meant, but I was just like, <laughs> that was Hunter corny, Renfro could probably give Freddie a piggyback ride. So could Rowdy Tellez, I bet. Oh, hundred percent. I'm not giving Rowdy a piggyback. Fuck that. <laughs> just want to um, give Rowdy Tellez a big hug. Yeah, Rowdy's a nice guy. Actually, there was a video talking he about is. that. He is. Yes, I'm glad I'm glad this segued into it. Go ahead. There was actually a really really nice video, good video. There was two two little boys there with their dad and uh they lost their mom to cancer. And oh, god, I hate thinking about that, man. Like think about those little kids, man. Like that little kid had to be no older than what? 5, maybe 4, six. maybe. That's what I'm saying. <clears throat> and like 
he just lost his mom for the rest of his life. You know what I mean? Like he was emotional and you could tell like he was having a hard time with it. Like he's still not okay with it. He still misses his mom. And I understand that, but Rowdy tried to go over there and, you know, make him feel better. Give him the ball. Get, try to give him a hug. He didn't want a hug. It is what it is. So the older brother, you know, who's a little bit more mature, took the baseball, but that just goes to show. I know that we, we are a small market, but that kind of means that our players are a little bit more family oriented. Like we understand the, they understand the family style and the, sure. and the small community. And I feel like our players do more in the community because of the small, That's like they're awesome. not just doing it, you know, to get on the news. Like they're doing it because like we kind of needed her on here. You know what I mean? Right. Like think about the Packers, like just a couple of years ago, like two years ago, I believe it was maybe three years ago. Jair Alexander star cornerback in the NFL. One of the biggest stars at his position in the NFL the biggest league was out doing a food drive like that stuff that I love to hear. And mm-hmm. it wasn't a really big story because he came from green Bay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I just thought that was a really cool story. I get a little emotional when I think about that stuff. Cause yeah. kids don't ask for that. You know, I'll say Rowdy Telez, uh, he said, he told the kid too, that he lost his mom to cancer. Um, and then after the game, he sent both of them uh, autographed bats of his. And they said that she's with you everywhere. Um, so that's, that's the kind of really heartwarming stuff that we like to bring up. Um, you know, I've said it a couple yeah. times and we, we even posted a video of Justin Fields, um, you know, being a quarterback of the bears, but a kid coming up in a full football uniform and got a Justin Fields Jersey on. And he says, you're my favorite player. And, and Justin Fields is like, Hey, let's take a picture. And he signs all of his stuff for him. Like there's, there's not many things you can do in the world than, than making a kid's day. Um, so that's stuff, that's stuff that we like to see, but, um, yeah, so I will let you finish talking about that second game of doubleheader now. Matt, thank <laughs> you for your corny game. joke, uh, leading to that, that moment. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say Gary Mitchell, you know, he's coming up in a very unique time. You know, the Brewers are feeling the pressure to make the playoffs and he's kind of, he's kind of getting a crash course a little bit mm. on, on the life and, and the MLB, you know, so. Garrett Mitchell, this is definitely going to speed up his progression, hopefully, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So just wanted to give him a shout-out. You know, he had a double, the RBI. So that's just big-time stuff. He's producing in big-time moments. Starting center fielder, Garrett Mitchell, to you. Yeah, and he's and he's producing in big-time moments already. So that is something that's, that's just going to be awesome. Dude, for the do you remember after his first game, he went over for his next 12, and people were like, oh, my God, Garrett Mitchell's going to suck. I can tell already. Are we worried? Yeah. This is why people need to relax when it comes to small sample sizes. Jesus. The world might be a better place if people smoked a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you speaking from personal experience or what? Hey, man, it calms you down. <laughs> calms you down, man. All right, let's switch to the Reds series. Let's talk about game one against the Reds. All right, game one against the Reds. <sighs> man, the 1L. The one yeah. L of the week so far. Dude, um, I mean, if it's one of those things where it's like the run differential for the series was like like negative 12, but it was all scored in one game, like I'm fine with it if we still win yeah. the series. So I mean, if you look at it, you know, again, we have hindsight. The second yeah. game of the series, they did use all their hits in the first game because they only had yeah. one hit <laughs> in the second game. So go ahead, use all your hits. Uh, what they yeah, have right. in this game? 17, right? I, didn't, I, I don't. Really I don't know. I didn't write down how many hits the Reds had. I don't give a shit. I think they had seventeen, if I remember correctly. But anyways, um, Alexander started this game. Uh, he gave up. Uh, gave up nine hits over five and a third. 
uh, five earned runs, one walk in the four Ks. So he's been getting hit around a little bit, but he's doing his job, man. He's he's given, you know, he's filling in for injured players. He's given us an extra day of rest to other starters. So really his effect is, you know, exaggerated throughout the week, I would yep. just say. Um, Topa, uh, he, he pitched in this game. He was back. Um, one and a th- one and two thirds, four hits, no earned runs, and a K. Uh, Perdomo and Suter were also pitching this game. Perdomo was good. Suter was not good. Uh, in his inning, he gave up four hits, three earned runs, and two Ks. Give a shout out to Tyrone Taylor for hitting another useless home run and two RBIs. Um, and also Adamas with a double, his 25th double of the year. That's a lot of doubles. Uh, yeah. So Jason Alexander, he did get off to a rough start. Gave up a home run in an 0-2 pitch, which, you know, is what it is. Then he gave up a triple, single, hit-by-pitch, single, and a walk, all before recording an out. He did get a double play that scored another run, um, and then a single that scored another run. And the Brewers were down 5 nothing before they were batting, um, which is kind of a, obviously a rough spot to be in. But um, Willie Adamas had a nice relay from Tyrone Taylor um, <clears throat> to get the, the runner at home. I don't remember who the runner was. Uh, but that was good to see Tyrone Taylor hit the home run in the bottom of the third inning. I got to say, it is great to see Justin Topa in major leagues. Um, it's He's been injured for what feels like three years now. I know it's two full seasons, but um, it's, it's a long road for him through injuries. So it's good to see him actually get up into the majors and, and, and get some playing time. Um, Mike Brasso made a very, very nice sliding catch and pick and then a throw to Keston Hero, who made a nice scoop at first base. Uh, so, you know, after the first inning, um, it, you know, it the Brewers actually played good defense after that. So I will, I will say that the Brewers did play some pretty good defense after that first inning. The Brewers struck out 11 times as a team is obviously um, less than ideal, but um, – Matt asked, why hasn't Josh Lindblom haven't been given another shot after all these injuries? Um, I know he's not on the 40-man roster. Getting him or small a start can't hurt with all these starters out. Basically, the the middle part of your your question answers it. Um, not being on the 40-man roster is, is pretty much it. Um, Ethan Small, I would say, is a candidate. But the fact that they didn't bring Ethan Small up suggests to me that one or more of Lauer... Peralta or Ashby will be ready very soon. Like within the next go through the rotation. I think it's going to be Ashby because he did a bullpen session today. Um, and yes, that is gold Glover Keston hero to me. Um, but go Just ahead. To talk about, uh, you know, minor league pitchers real quick. Gosser the other day, dude, he was, dude. he was going nuts, oh. bro. He looked good. Yeah. He was, I think he's going to end up being the best player in that trade. He might, <laughs> he, he looked I really mean, good. Like, Obviously, everything that Hader has done up to this point makes him a better. But from the trade on, like I think Josh, or no, I almost said Josh Gosser. That's the, uh, it's. I think it's actually Gasser, but we're. I know we're used to saying Gasser, but uh, I think he might actually end up. It's. I think it's Gasser. They say Gasser, and I watch the the highlights on the yeah yeah for the sounds, but um, I do think that from the post trade on, I think he might actually end up being the best player in that deal. Well, you know, we're Wisconsinites and apparently we say bag or bag. Yeah, so bag. It's, probably just, it's probably just Gosser, you know, Josh Gosser. 
it probably is Gasser, but I think it is. That's that's what I've heard on the broadcast. But so going to game two, Adrian Hauser delivered another really solid start. Six innings pitched, zero really weird, zero strikeouts. Yeah, zero strikeouts for Adrian Hauser, and he went through six innings and only gave up one earned run. Yeah, I mean. Honestly, if you ask all MLB starters if they would take that start and not ever have a strikeout and only get a one run run, they would all take it. Say, oh, sign yeah. me the fuck up right now. It counts as, unless you have something in your contract that gives you like a bonus for strikeouts. Like Corbin Burns probably has that, and he probably passed it like a week ago. They're um, going to win the fucking Cy Young if they only give a one run. <laughs> fuck, a, fuck a bonus. Um, yeah. <laughs> We'd probably get a bonus for winning the Cy Young too. Uh, and yes, Matt, I agree. Starting pitchers definitely have more value than closers. That's why you don't pay a closer $15 million because he only pitches one inning once every three days versus a guy who pitches five to seven innings every five days. I'll take yeah. the starter. 100%. Um, Christian Yelts drew a walk and Willie Adamas hit a two-run home run. Um, it looked like a no-doubter off the bat, but it hit the top of the wall, bounced out, so I'll take that. Um, Christian Yelich. Another opposite field double. Uh, they issued an intentional walk to Willie Adamas, an unintentional walk uh, to Rowdy Telez, and then Hunter Renfro flew out, which is kind of a bummer. But um, Taylor Rogers pitched a scoreless seventh. The bottom of the seventh, Tyrone Taylor hit a triple, and then Yelich hit a single for an RBI. Bottom of the eighth inning, Andrew McCutcheon hit a two-run home run. Uh, that gave him five short of 1,000 for his career. Then mm-hmm. yesterday moved him even closer. So now I think he only needs two. He needs two. Two RBI for a thousand in his career for Andrew McCutcheon. So nice. he's he's really close to that. Um and then Brad Boxberger pitched a scoreless ninth inning. So it's good to see him get another uh, get a scoreless appearance in the books. But what did you see from game two of the Brewers and Red series? Uh Matt Bush was dominant. Uh, Dude, Rogers. I'm like I'm on his hype train, but it's just like a bummer because he gives up a run like once every five. Yeah. and then people are like, "Oh, Matt Bush is trash," but it's like the other four appearances that he makes are just so good. Yeah, he curveball so fucking nasty. I can't handle it. <laughs> and he's got that heat, man. Dude, and heat. he throws like 98. Dude, his stuff moves too. He still, he's he still throws got 98 heat. down and away, and it paints the corner. And it's like, what do you do? You take it. <laughs> yeah, you turn around and you walk back to the dugout. That's yeah, yeah. You, you take it. my own question. <laughs> uh, Matt Bush was dominant. Rogers was very, very good. We talked about Hauser. He was very good. Six innings and one earned run. Sign me up for that every five days. Once every five days. Um, yeah, McCutcheon, he had the two RBIs. Obviously, you talked about the, the home run. They were two out RBIs. Um, Taylor mm-hmm. had a triple. Uh, Renfro, Yelly with doubles. Uh, 22nd double for Yelly, 19th for Renfro. Just wanted to – I'm kind of counting the doubles now because I it's like extra base that. hit. That's the it's the yeah. more common extra base hit. Yeah, that one counts. Um, that's, where, that's where slugging percentage comes from. Slugging is total bases divided by at bats. You know, and people were kind of mad at Yelich this week. I saw a couple people complaining about Yelich. Why? Because, because he wasn't like getting all these hits, but he was getting on base and he was scoring he still runs. He gets on base and he scores. I don't give right. a shit how it happens. Um, just wanted to give a little update. I keep checking my phone if you can't tell, but the the Padres are down six to zero right now. Oh, love to hear it. Uh, bottom of the fifth, two outs. So hopefully that one will hold out and the Brewers can get another big win tonight. Cool. Oh, then we're really going to be cooking, baby. Cooking with some gas. All right. Let's go to game three of the Brewers Reds series. All right. Game three. Um, all right. So 
Brewers won this one seven to six. Uh, Woody started this game, six innings pitched, five hits, two earned runs, one walk, and 11 strikeouts. That is a very much uh, Woody start, Brandon Woodruff start. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Strizlecki, one inning, two hits, two earned runs, no Ks, no walks. Uh, Rogers in his inning, zero, 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 two, two Ks again. So back to back, very, very good outings for Rogers. Mm-hmm. Um, Williams, one inning, two hits, one earned run, zero walks, and two Ks. Uh, let me see here. One of Willie Adamas's four RBIs were two outs, two out RBI. Both of Willie Adamas's RBIs were two with two outs, and Yelich had a had a an two out RBI. So obviously, Telez was was the story of this game with his two home runs that got him to thirty. There was there was um, so much stuff that was good from this game, but like the the sweating it out at the end is like uh every time, right? Um, Adamas also hit his twenty eighth <laughs> home run, so. Mm-hmm. Man, Willie Adamas, man, that guy and, and Rowdy Telez, those guys, man, we got for fucking pennies, basically, and they are some of our best players. I would argue that. I yeah. really would. Rowdy Telez has actually been a very, very pleasant surprise. When I heard about Willie Adamas, I was kind of like, he's young, he has potential, he could like really blossom into like this great player, and like he, if he had a higher average, he would be at all of that. But Rowdy Telez, I was not expecting much from, and he really has shut up a lot of people. I'll say that. I if I didn't look at it when I was – I don't know if I have my Brewers primer in here. I should, actually. But I don't know if we – we didn't stat anybody out. Like, when we did our, our primer, we didn't predict any stats like we did with the Packers this year. But I'm just seeing if I can find my Brewer primer here real quick. I would have guessed twenty-five home runs for Rowdy Telez. I don't know that I would have predicted thirty plus for Rowdy Telez and to play basically every single game. Um, Let me see. Uh, notebooks. Yeah, here it is. I got my primer right here. It's Rowdy and then question mark Kira were the two that we had. I had pegged for first base, and I brought up the fact that. Um, the Brewers have had a different starting first baseman every year since Prince Fielder. So that's where we stood coming in with Rowdy Telez, and who I think he's now actually given the Brewers some stability at first base. And despite, oh, yeah. like we've said before, having the agility of a refrigerator, Rowdy has actually played some pretty good <laughs> defense at first base. Sorry, um, so, so Brandon Woodruff uh, back on the mound. He got a bounce back game, which is good to see. Struck out the side in the first inning, and then Christian Yelich. And Willie Adamas both delivered opposite field hits. I'm going to keep putting emphasis on the opposite field thing just because that's something that I brought up that the Brewers could do to help their offense when I've talked about what can, uh, what they can improve and how. Um, so mm-hmm. the opposite field is something that I'm going to keep an eye on. Um, so two opposite field hits. And then Roddy Telez hit a double with 2 nothing before the Brewers even recorded an out. The Brewers are 49-24 and 24 when they score first. So including... Last night's game, they're now 50 and 24 when they score first. Actually, oh. that would not even include that game. So that would be 51 and 24 now, um, including last night's game. So um, 51 of our 76 wins come from when we score first? Yes. So, so I mean, we're not- 25 times the Brewers have come from behind to win. And that still doesn't stop people from bitching in the first inning that the Brewers are going to lose. That is tied with the Cardinals, actually, for the most in the majors. Nice. 
come from behind wins. I heard that last night. Nice. Brewers and Cardinals are tied for the most come from behind wins. Um, so a double and two singles with two outs gets the game tied. Um, mm-hmm. then Yelich hits another opposite field single to get the lead back. Uh, William Rowdy Telez, both Homer, Jake mentioned, they scored four runs with two outs. Um, and then Rowdy got up to 30 home runs. Woodruff had 10 strikeouts through the first five innings. Um, with his 11 strikeouts, he's now tied with Ben Sheets for the fourth most 10 plus strikeout games in Brewers history. Um, so I'll he's now, ben Sheets. I know my, he was like my dad's favorite player. I'll always love him. <laughs> so sweated the out at the sweated the game out at the end, but we got the win. Um, the one that Devin Williams gave up a run was like a check swing bunt single. Like that's that's baseball. So you know, you know, it looks like he gave up, you know, a solo home run or something like that. It was like one of those th- kind of dumb things that happened, and then a sacrifice fly allowed it. Um, so you mentioned Rogers, his scoreless inning. The Brewers were two for eleven with runners in scoring position, and they still scored seven runs. Yeah. Left eight on base, um, kind of saved by Christian Yelich, Willie Adamas, and Rowdy Telez. Those three on their own, <laughs> this is kind of nuts. Those three, Christian Yelich, Willie Adamas, Rowdy Telez, seven hits, one walk, three home runs, all seven RBI. Yep. That's the top of your lineup carrying your your lineup. Yeah, (laughs) they played they played great in that final game in a much needed. Yes, so it was good to get that series win. The Brewers went four and one on their short homestand. So we know that they're two of road two on the road against St. Louis, and then they come back home to face both New York teams. But they started with one against the Cardinals yesterday so let's talk about that game matt kind of got a, a little ahead and said that when they brought in rogers against Pujols, he was kind of nervous um Pujols had left-handed hitters on both sides of him in the lineup so that's obviously mm-hmm. what prompts the mm-hmm. um taylor rogers to be brought in i i was saying it in the brewers writers group for fan side of that i'm in that if i'm taylor rogers i'm throwing away the first three baseballs that they give me because Major League Baseball is probably juicing balls for Albert Pujols so that he can get to 700. Like, I'm throwing the first three balls you give me away. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not throwing away a ball that you give me to pitch to Albert Pujols. But uh, who the Taylor hell was the, got him. Who the hell was the guy that walked before Pujols last night? I don't, I don't remember. I, I just know Topo was, uh, was in, mm-hmm. and he walked a guy, and then that was why they brought Rodgers in. I knew it went lefty pools lefty, and that's what I was looking at. Um, but I saw a lot of people complaining why the Brewers were going for the bullpen day and pushing Corbin Burns start back. Um, first of all, Council talked about it pushing counts or pushing Corbin Burns start back a day didn't cost him any more appearances for the rest of the season, so he's still going to be pitching the same amount of starts. Um, that just gives him an extra day of rest, even though they have two off days this week. Um, the other thing is that the Brewers currently have not one, not two, but three starters from their rotation on the injured list. Yeah. So when Matt asked before why they wouldn't bring up Small with the starters being injured, I do think Aaron Ashby is going to make his next scheduled start, which would be in the Mets series. Um, But let's talk about last night's bullpen day. What do you have from that game? Man. (laughs) So 
Bush started. He left with an injury, obviously, which mm-hmm. sucks. Uh, He's day to day. Strzelewski came in after that, and then he pitched two thirds of an inning, so he finished that one off. And then Perdomo pitched three innings, so that gets you to the fourth inning. After the fourth inning, <clears throat> we didn't give up a hit. Nothing. 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 They had one Thanks. walk, which was uh, Topa, like I talked about. Yep. I do not remember who it was. Um, that pisses me off. But because I was telling myself, like, you remember this for the show tomorrow. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember. Uh, I forgot the one. Yeah, thing yeah. I I think you start talking. A million I bet you remember what you ate for breakfast before your first day of school on your seventh grade. No, I don't remember that. <laughs> Probably cereal, though. Um, so they had the one walk. No was hits. It a pizza and a gallon of milk? Nope, that's Brennan. Um, <laughs> anyways, other than that. He's probably watching it. He's probably like, those fuckers. <laughs> Brennan knows. <laughs> I still pick on him for that. Um, McCutcheon had three RBIs, uh, all two-out RBIs. One of Yelich's two RBIs was a two-out RBI, and Renfro added a two-out RBI. Adamas had two RBIs that were not two-out RBIs, so that's how you get all of our runs. McCutcheon's was a home run. I'm just blown away that after the fourth inning, we absolutely shut the Cardinals down. Yes. The Brewers went on the freaking road against the Cardinals. This is our our last game tonight against the Cardinals in St. Louis. Not the last game of the season versus the Cardinals. We have two more after this, I believe, right? And then tonight is Corbin Burns starting, like you said. If the Brewers can get this win with the Padres lost, man. (laughs) We're freaking right there. We're right fucking there, dude. And they and got the Padres the Dodgers are just like nine times yet. <laughs> it feels like the Padres are just giving us a shit. Yeah. And like for a little bit, it kind of felt like we didn't want to take it. Like we're just like, no, you take yeah. it. No, you take it. No, you take yeah. it. No, you like take it. Like a hot it. potato. And the and the Brewers are just kind of like finally like, fuck it. We'll take this son of a bitch. <laughs> we'll you know, we're, we're finally like putting some shit together. Yeah. We absolutely shut them down. The, the Brewers the last week <clears throat> showed the potential of a team that we have mm-hmm. talked about. Pitching the bullpen, the starting pitching, the clutch hitting, the two outs, the, the RBI bullpen the pitching as starters. When everything is just going together, man, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. We needed just a good streak of five and one in the last six games. I will take that. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, so, yeah, haters should have blown the save last night. That would have been nice. Yeah, that would yeah, that would have made today even more interesting. Oh. Um, so. After you mentioned the guys that came in, Boxberger, Milner, Topa, Rogers, and Suter all kept the Cardinals at four runs, despite this game being really back and forth to start off. But yeah. um, five of the eight runs that the Brewers scored were with two outs. Yep. Um, the two through five spots in the order drove in all eight of the runs. And then the other thing I wanted to throw out there was Luis Urias had three hits, which is good to see. Um yeah. Yeah, Matt, the, the Yankees-Mets-Cardinals stretch is going to be a test. Uh, it'll, you know, we'll see. Because, like, we've, we've kind of talked about it where it feels like the Brewers are a team that plays up and down to their competition. So we'll see how that goes. Um, the Yankees and Mets are both down real bad. Like, the yeah. Yankees, after the trade deadline, just <laughs> except for Aaron Judge. So, I mean, you just pitch around Aaron Judge and deal with everybody else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the Mets... They're also in a tailspin. They lost the NL East lead that they've had basically the entire season and were up like, I don't know, double-digit games at one point. Now the Braves caught up to them. So the now Braves, they're fighting everybody for Everybody knew division. the Braves were going to go crazy, though. Um, so the Braves and the Mets are actually fighting for that division. So 
Um, you know, the Mets are down bad from where they were too. So it's not like mm-hmm. an unwinnable series, but they will be tough. So what that potentially is going to be is <clears throat> um, uh, we might miss DeGrom, but I know we're facing Derek Cole probably on Sunday. Um, yeah. Essentially what it does is if the Brewers do find a way to get into the playoffs, um, we'll, we'll look back at these two series and say, okay, the Brewers got in. Now what can they do from here? Mm-hmm. So looking at this this Yankees Mets Cardinals stretch could kind of be, you know, like a litmus test for what the Brewers can accomplish in the playoffs should they get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's go to let's go to some power pairs. I think we're going to have one if not both of the same players, but give me your Brewers pitcher. I think we're going to oh. have I think we're going to have one. I think this is going to be the one. I picked Corbin Burns. I did too. <laughs> Yeah, there was. No How do you other pick choice. against them? Like, I mean, you could have picked Woodruff, but like, there was no other choice. I mean, like you said, Woodruff was nice, but dude, fourteen strikeouts and zero walks in eight innings. <laughs> and the thing that really gives it like that that weight is that we needed that shit mm-hmm. badly. Like we that two to one that game. That's not like the that Brewers was the jumper cables. Yeah. yeah, that was the jumper cables. I feel like for this week to get started, like. Okay, Burns is back. Okay, yeah. Burns Burns is still going. Okay, we, yeah, gotta we got to go. Let's we pick got him September, up. Corbin Burns, like it's it's go time. Craig Timber just started a little bit late, maybe. Brandon Burns, who's Brandon Burns? Brandon Burns, that's uh, uh I I bet Matt made that comment. Yep, Brandon Burns. Yep, who the hell he's is just Brandon? picking both. Well, if we did Brandon Burns, we're talking about twenty five strikeouts in fourteen innings. That's just disgusting. <laughs> But I mean, if you, if you like seriously though, if you combine it and you say that's fourteen innings, one walk, and twenty five strikeouts between those two, <sighs> it's pretty pay good. them both, pay them yeah. both. I'm I'm dead serious. Pay them both. I'm a, I'm on board with that. Like you've traded Hater to make some room for some more money. Like pay them both. Yeah, I figured that out, man. At first, I was like, is that a real person? Um, I think that's part of what's going to make Andrew McCutcheon and Hunter Renfro not on this team next season. But um, Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns, pay them both. Yep. Today. Like, today would be good. Yeah, did you hear that story from from Burns, actually? Talking yeah. About how he, and, he has a... like, he's got a year of arbitration left, too. So, he's like, he's still under team control. So, I'm not super concerned about it. If they don't have any talks this offseason – then I'll be concerned. Yeah. I think something – yeah. We need to lock him down, I think. Yeah. Um. So you said it with Corbin Burns. Who is your position player? I picked Yelich. It's a good I, one. Think Yel- I think Yelich was good this week. Um. He kind of moved up. He moved up and down the lineup. He went yep. from first. He batted third. Um. He did his job. I mean, he was only five for 21, which isn't great. But, yeah, you know, he scored five runs. He had five RBIs. He had three walks. I mean – He's using the, guy, the opposite field is what I like to see. He gets on base and he scores. Okay. That's what yeah. I care about. He's still leading our team. Um, yep. He's, he's still the leader. He's still the leader that people look to. Yeah. And he's, I think he deserves some credit. So I saw some people complaining about him, which I know. Like, why? Because people are still complaining about him. So I wanted to people, give him some People love. won't change their minds. It was, yeah, it's crazy. Um, people would rather be wrong in the face of facts than admit that they're wrong. True. Okay. So I went with Willie Adamas, actually. I knew it. That's why I didn't pick Adamas. That's why I didn't pick Adamas. <laughs> uh, I went with Willie Adamas. He's on a five-game hitting streak, and he has 
seven hits in those five games, um, six RBI, four walks, and only six strikeouts in those five games. That actually is part of the thing. Might be the biggest thing for me is that William Adams only has six strikeouts in the last five games. Yeah, that's that's big time for him, man. That's, yeah, for that's he struggled with strikeouts for a long time. He's a, um, he's a free swinger. Which, for, I'm okay yeah, for with, sure. which I'm okay I mean, with. he's not as free swinger as, say, a Javier Baez. That <laughs> dude will swing at literally anything in the same area code. He's like, that oh, dude's making baseball? like $21 million a year this year. Yeah, on the sh- on a shitty, shitty Detroit Tigers team. Yeah. All right. Basically, have... he went from a shitty team in Chicago to a shitty team in Detroit. So you went to a with shittier a, city. With a, with a, a half team. a season in, in New York in between. Yeah. And then they booed you. <laughs> and you were <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's yeah, that's that's a bummer for him, but whatever. Tough. Whatever it is. Whatever All right, is. you have anything else Brewers baseball related you want to discuss? I do not. I just hope they get into the playoffs so I could laugh at all those people. Yeah, that I would I would get some enjoyment out of I that mean, being the I told you not so even for my own personal enjoyment. Like half of it is just like I just want to like point like laugh at you idiots for giving up. Yeah. For yeah. <laughs> you know, September first and the season's over because we're four and a half games back. Yeah, you guys are idiots. They're going nowhere. Be realistic. Here. This team sucks. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> I love the the be realistic people. Oh my god. Be realistic. Why? Because I'm choosing to be optimistic instead of pessimistic. They're both realistic. True that. Just True one of that. them makes you feel better inside. True that. All right, let's recap the Badgers game. Um, and we can talk about you know offense yeah. versus defense and defense versus offense. But just, just let me know the, the key points that you want to discuss from this game. And then I'll throw some stuff in there and then we'll talk about three stars. But uh, this one just this is one of those games, and I only get this feeling with Wisconsin football. I'm just gonna let you know that right now. Where when you're looking at the stats, these this is why I say that stats lie, numbers lie every once in a while. Yep. Because when you're looking at all these numbers, right? You look at the 401 mm-hmm. yards to the 253 yards, you look at the eight for fifteen on third down yeah. to the two for eleven on third down. You yep. look at the 38 minutes of time of possession. You're like, there's no fucking way we lost this game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did. We found a way. And I looked at the penalties, right? That was one thing because that was a big major part of this. Mm-hmm. 11 that penalties for 106 drives. yards. <clears throat> five, five of those penalties, five of the 11 penalties, and 56 of the 106 yards were from the offensive line. And then you have to talk about the the play calling. Now, I'm not going to go out on a limb and I'm not going to be like everybody else and call it lackluster because I do think there are some new nuances to this offense. Mm-hmm. But I have one specifically written down. But let me tell you this right now. When there is nine goddamn people in the box, do some goddamn play action. Please. I'm so – I'm controlling it. I'm so fucking sick and tired of asking for play action. Dude. It's like lineman. the Bernie Sanders meme. We are once again here asking you for play action. <laughs> Dude. I'm oh, I'm making that graphic as soon as we're done. I'm Write writing that shit down. down right now. We Dude. are here once again asking you for play action. 
our offensive line was clearly gassed, right? That's why they were all standing straight up and getting their ass whooped by a 250-pound guy. Because football is about leverage. Yes, I talk about how big our offensive line is all the time. Yeah, offensive line was offensive, all right. Yes, they were. Um, <laughs> but when you're standing straight up, what power do you have? You give it all up. Yep. They need to sit their big ass down. Now, let me tell you something. You run some play action, you get those defenders not just attacking for a run every play. You get their mind going a little bit, and then you allow us to attack them, you know, every so often and mix up the play calling. makes it a little does, easier. It gets you, your offensive line, moving north and south on guys that aren't expecting you to only go north and south. Exactly. That play action gets them moving side to side a little bit, makes them easier to push away. So that's just kind of dumbing it down. That was just the one thing the whole day that was just kind of bothering me. I was just like, dude, our offensive line is clearly gassed. They're all holding their hands in their hips. They're all standing straight up. That's why they're holding because they're standing straight up because they're getting their ass whooped. Run some play action. Run some misdirection. Run a bootleg every once in a while, for goodness sakes. I mean, my God, it's not that complicated. So let me ask you this. Do you think the Badgers need to change their philosophy at all? I like like the ground and pound. I like Mm -hmm. the the physicality mindset. I love that. I absolutely do. Mm -hmm. It can work in college. Yep. But – Mertz has been spinning that motherfucker, man. Dude, you really we're going to talk a lot about Graham Mertz. We're going to talk about him. He's been spinning that bitch. People, that was one of the things that people didn't like when we said positive takeaways that we put in there that Graham Mertz played really well. People were like, oh, hey, he threw this and he did that. He threw one Dude, pick. 80, I would say 80% of the game offensively for the Badgers, he was the best player on the field. Oh, 100%. And then you look at his ball placement, so Dude. much better. Dude. He took yeah. like seven steps forward with that. Yeah. Um, his ability to read the defense, he's still a little slow progression yep. wise, but he's getting there. But <sighs> this really pissed me Dude, off. Dude, he I made some dime. Throws. He did. He did. His, I'm telling you, his ball placement is fucking good. And did you see two weeks Paul in Chris a row, quote? too, where he hit one on Marcus Allen right in the hands that just didn't get completed. Yeah, that was because of that good play by the fucking quarterback. Oh, yeah, he was that was a really good play. On that, one. that was safety but, help. But Marcus Allen needs to help his quarterback. He's fucking right. disappointing me. I looked at him as a physical guy that can make those catches. If he makes those catches, yeah. that can make or break this offense. It really could. Yeah. Did you see the quote from Paul Chris talking about him taking too many deep shots, Mertz taking too many deep shots? No. Bruh, he was talking about, oh, uh, I'm paraphrasing here. Oh, I think sometimes he rushed and he just threw it deep when there was stuff open underneath. Are you fucking kidding me, Paul? Are nope. You, Sling are it. you, are you it. literally that inept to the situation that is happening right now? Dude, he was balling. And Keontes Lewis, I wanted to point him out. He looked good. Twice. Yeah. Dude, that one that Mertz put him on the sideline, nobody but Lewis was catching that ball. Yeah, man. And he got one foot down, which is all you need in college. That was a beautiful play. So we talked. We talked about it. We posted the first half that Graham Mertz we thought was the best player on the field in the first half. I mm-hmm. strongly stand by that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second half, obviously, they didn't score any points, but Graham Mertz still made some really, really nice plays. Um, I don't. I don't remember if Chris got extended in the offseason. I think he did by like two, two years, four years. I'll look it up. All right. 
Um, but Graham Mertz still made some really nice throws in the second half. The one that's right on the sideline to Lewis is, is one. And then the throw that he made to Cundiff that he got fumbled, that was actually a really good throw by Mertz. That's just on Cundiff for fumbling the ball. Um, so for me, looking at this game, um, the Badgers need to figure out how to defend the screen a little bit. Um, they ran two screens to open the game. First one went for 43, second one went for six. Um, and then the penalty gave Washington State a first down on third and four. Um, five years. Oh, five years. Okay. Through 2027. All right. I Like I said, I said this before, and I'll, I'll say it again. I think he's a good coach. I think he's just wearing too many hats. Um, and now, you know, Mertz throwing the deep ball. That's If it's Bro, there. He they, has to stop. He's micromanaging is what it is. He like, really is, dude. And he needs to just freaking – when you have four-star quarterback that looks like a four-star quarterback the first two weeks, let him be a fucking four-star yeah. quarterback. I think that's – you know what I think that is? I think that's him still trying to be the offensive coordinator, quarterback coach that wants Mertz to kind of play it safe. But listen, you got this year and next year with Mertz. Like, Yeah, let's go. Let, like, let, let, oh, here we go. We're going to steal the, the Seahawks thing. We're going to say let Mertz cook. I agree with that, 100%. you got to find out what you got, right? You're not going to get find more out eventually. It doesn't pay to wait until he graduates. Yeah, you're not going to get more quarterback recruits unless you just let the guy play. Let him yeah. figure it out. Um, so, you know, when I asked the question of do you think that the batters should change their philosophy, um, I don't think they need to make a full change. You know, they don't need to go West Coast offense, pro-style offense, but – I'm going to use the word modify, even though I understand that it's a synonym of change, but if they just kind of retool it just a little bit, he's a peacock. You got to let him fly. Exactly. Andrew. (laughs) Um, You see him getting um, all aggressive, man. (laughs) That's that's awesome. Um, So, you know, it doesn't need to be a full, you can still run all your ground and pound and you put your pressure on. But what I said to, I said this to you, and to Mike, who does some of the Badgers shows with us, that I think the Badgers play style of hold the ball, shorten the game, fewer possessions, time of possession. I do think that that style of play makes them easier to be upset. 100%. Uh, what it does on the flip side, too, is I believe that that type of system does make it easier to upset other teams by just minimizing their um, possessions, minimizing their opportunities. Yeah less possessions is less opportunities to score. That makes the games obviously lower scoring. When you look at most of the Badgers games where they score a lot of points, it usually involves a lot of long touchdowns. Um, Even week one is an example of that. Had a hundred yard and a 96 yard touchdown. Yeah. But um, Jake kind of mentioned some of the retooling of the offense a little bit. Graham Mertz last week talked about some of the new wrinkles in the offense. And Braylon Allen was part of one of the new wrinkles this week. Uh, he was lined up as a wide receiver yeah. at times. So getting Braylon Allen, I feel like he's like the Badgers equivalent of AJ Dillon, where it's like, okay, he's a big guy. He's going to run on us, but he can kind of catch the ball a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's going to kind of surprise people a little bit if they can get Braylon Allen the ball. And it's, and it's like they have other guys in the backfield they can use. Like we've seen some good stuff from Isaac Arendo, albeit in a limited sample size. And Chesma Lucy was really good last year up to the point that he got hurt, and now he's looking pretty good again this season. Um, Did you – okay, so Mertz hit that deep ball to Lewis right before the half. 
Did you see how hyped Graham Mertz was? Yes. Dude, he was jacked. It's like, it's like I felt like when Drew Holiday shows emotion. That's how I felt about Graham Mertz. Because, like, he's usually, like, really even keel. But, like, seeing him get hyped, like, it made me feel hyped. It's like, yeah. yes, I like seeing that guy excited. Um, you know so what that like is, though? That. That's a guy that put in a lot of work and seeing the product mm-hmm. on the field. And he's he's happy for he's happy about yeah. that, you know? Yeah, that's that was good stuff to see. So um the Badgers defense did what they could to keep him in it. They got the big sack on third down after missing a field goal. Um Isaac Carendo was running well after Braylon Allen got kind of banged up, but Braylon Allen did thankfully come back into the game. Mm-hmm. Um Mertz got lucky that the interception that he threw got fumbled and recovered, but um ultimately we know the, the Badgers didn't win this game, but um give me your three stars of the game. All right, I'll just uh rapid fire these. Uh so my first one was Kantez Lewis. Um I know he didn't have crazy stats, but I feel like his ability to stretch the field is going to be something that's going to come in handy later in the year when we play teams like Ohio State and Michigan State. You know, we're going to we're going to be going on our gauntlet of Big 10 games pretty soon here. So um yeah, this one had trap game field by the way. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. But Kantez Lewis uh definitely. And then uh Clay Cundiff, even though he didn't play very good in the second half, he was phenomenal in the first half. Yeah. Both of his catches he used all hands, no body. So mm. that's something that I really like to see. Um, he's a little bit more athletic than I would have thought, you know, making the jump catches. I feel like he, I feel like that's something that he grew in the off season. Yeah. Last he's, year, he kind of looked like a big lumbering. He did. You know, he did. Mercedes Lewis type. Yeah, dude. Matt hit the nail on the head with Matt, that. Matt, I think that was the announcers were, were trying to figure it out, but I think that was the first time that two interception fumbles have happened. Yeah, in that was game. insane. I was just sitting there like, we're going to lose and all this shit is happening. <laughs> this is bullshit. Now my number one, Graham Mertz, obviously. Um, the 18 for 31, 227, two touchdowns. He completed a pass to eight different receivers. So mm. that is 18 completions to eight different receivers. Now that shows me that's he sees the whole field. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, so I had Graham Mertz in my three as well. Um, like you said, the great first half, decent second half. Um Still made the really nice play to the Lewis on the sideline in the second half, and then the ball mm-hmm. that he threw to Cundiff that got fumbled. Like mm-hmm. that's those are still good plays, and I'll I'll still say it. I think he was one of the best players on the field on Saturday. Oh, 100%. and you know people take it as you know when we posted this, people are taking it as like, oh man, that means trouble for the rest of our team. But you have an opportunity here. So Graham Mertz played really well and was one of the best players on the field. And a lot of people's first reaction is to go, shit, that means the rest of the team sucks. But what if it means that Graham Mertz is propelling the team forward? It's just what? it's just a little change in your mindset. That's all you got to do is make like, oh, man, Graham Mertz is the best player on the field right now, even with the rest of the guys that they have on the field. You know, it just takes that little shift in the mindset to make that from a, oh, man, the rest of the team is playing terrible to something encouraging. That tells me two things. One, you don't know football, okay? And two, you're not watching the fucking game. Well, That's I'll, what throw, I'll throw another one in there, too, is that you have the predisposition that Graham Mertz wasn't very good last year or the year before, and you're just clinging to that. 
even though yeah, it, you have, you have watched zero percent of the Badgers football. Listen, games. are you ready for this? Uh-oh. I'm about to bring this home. The exact same people will complain about Jordan Love, even though he's making progress. Oh, 100%. 100%. And he's so They're so dumb. clinging to wanting so him to be dumb. bad because he used to be that they don't give a shit that he's made progress. That's so dumb. Like Matt just said, it takes, takes too much critical thinking. So we dumb. encourage critical thinking. If there's one thing we would force you to do, it would be to think critically. Obviously, we can't force people to do that, but... You know, if we could, it would be thinking critically and, and changing your mindset you from negative like, to positive. You cannot reach your potential until you sit down, you get some self-awareness, and you do some critical thinking. Yeah. Do you not, as a human, and this goes to everybody, want to reach your own potential? It bothers yeah. me every day that I haven't reached my potential. But I know there's just – there's still more in there. There's still more in there. There's still more in there. I keep telling myself there's more, there's more, there's more. Push on more, yeah. more, more. There's always more. You can always be better. Yeah. Andrew said he's critical of thinking. Andrew, go yeah. back to the beginning of the show when we talked about criticism. Yeah. You know, why wouldn't you want to be your best self? That just bothers me that people just are yeah. stuck with what they want to be. Whatever. Uh, and then it's the same thing, too. Like, why don't you want him to get better? It's so dumb. Like, that's like you would want everything else to remain just as good, if not better, than it is. And then the things that needed to improve to be improving. And then when they are, it's like, you don't want him to? Those are the same people that complain that we don't win the national title and we'll never compete with Ohio State. But our quarterback is improving and trying to be better. But because he's one of our best players on Saturday, our team is fucked. Dude, like, it's, listen, like, even if we're not competing with Ohio State, and I know every single team that we have is, you know, in a in a championship mindset right now, like literally all of them, uh, maybe not Badgers basketball so much, but I know people are like, you know, the Badgers' next step is to get into the the, the playoff, and that's what people are worried about. But now it's going to be expanding to 12 teams, so they'll have a better chance at that. But, you know, the Brewers, you know, they've been in the, the postseason for four years, so, the you know, the next step is to make a deep run or win a World Series. The Packers are pretty much Super Bowl or bust every year, and now that the Bucks have made deep runs to the playoffs, and won a championship, they are basically in a, a playoff or, or a championship or bust situation as long as Giannis is in his prime. Um, like Andrew said, the name, image, likeness, and expanded playoffs gives the Badgers a shot. But, um, dude, Matt, don't <laughs> – oh, man, I'm so excited for Chucky Hepburn this year. He's getting the keys to the car. But – so like I'm saying, you know, why, why would you not want these things to improve? You know, we want these things to continue getting better so that everything, you know, it's a, a competition thing too, where you see the guy next to you getting better. It makes you want to be better. That's all of these running back rooms and all of these linebacker rooms for the batters have always been like that. Where like the guys around you, they're not competing and going each other, you know, head to head. It's they want to push themselves to keep being better and better and better and better and better. So why you don't want certain position groups or players Graham Mertz and Jordan Love, for example, to get better. I, I can't fathom it. It makes no sense to me. Me either, buddy. And, you know, it's going to be situations where, like, the Badgers have a loss this year. If they beat Ohio State, sure, it can cancel out. But even if the Badgers don't make the playoff this year, like, would you not have more fun watching Graham Mertz spin the ball and and make 
tons of awesome throws that are like, oh, shit, that was really awesome. Like, Or would you just want to see him check the ball down and see the Badgers run the ball 45 times a game? Like, what would you have more fun on the way to whatever bowl game they end up in? You know, you made me think about bowl games, so I, I, I'm going to say something. All the people that were declaring that the season was over after Saturday, what are they going to say if the Badgers go on a run? Say that ah, this is purely just speculation. They go and they beat Ohio State. Then they, they win the next game. I forgot who it is in between Michigan State. Then they beat Michigan State in Michigan State. Then what? Then what? Then that loss just looks like one of those what-the-hell moments. And, we, and then we look at all the all the turnovers in that game. We look at all the penalties in that game. We're like, they were just a sloppy team that day. Yeah. You know, you don't have to say that the season is over just because of one loss. Because it's not. Got that, Packer fans? Oh, God. You know what, dude? <laughs> I am – by Sunday, I'll be ready to grill some motherfuckers, dude. And I made a, I made a couple points easy. for the we'll Badgers. I don't care. I'm grilling them all. I, it'll be better that they're there because I can grill them to their face. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Texas, Texas A&M losing A&M, to, They just lost to Marshall. No, they lost to uh, Appalachian somebody. State. Yeah. Marshall Notre, beat. Did Marshall beat Notre Dame? Yeah, they beat Notre. Marshall Dame. beat somebody. Yeah. And Marshall scored more points on Notre on Notre Dame than Ohio State did. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh, my other wild. two for my three stars, I had Nick Herbig. He did get the big sack inside the five-yard line late in the fourth quarter, early in the fourth quarter. Yep. And he was just in the backfield consistently. Um, so I threw Nick Herbig in there. And then the other guy that I want to give some credit to is Latu. Uh, he's yeah. he's filling in for Hunter Wohler. Um, he had a sack, a safety blitz really early in the game. He made a great special teams play on one of the punt coverages. Um, and he was third on the team in tackles this week. Yeah, and he so, had a couple of assists. Yeah, and he made a couple like right at the line of scrimmage. So I really want to give him some credit. Um, so then, if we're looking at you know the rest of this game, did you have an underrated performer you wanted to throw out there? No, I just wanted uh, to talk about Graham Mertz again. I, I just wanted to toss in there Isaac Garendo. Um, he mm-hmm. had three carries for 14 yards. It's just about five yards a carry. He had two receptions for 12 yards, and he had a 19-yard kickoff return. Um, so. As far as underrated performers go, I just wanted to throw Isaac Garendo's name in there just to give him some love. Um, but is there um, is there anything that you think, you know, just right off, you know, we're two games in, so we have a very small sample size, but is there things that you see right now that the Badgers can improve on? The offensive line, you stick their big asses, and they need to sit. They need to stop standing straight up. I'm serious, man. Like, Watching them get bull rushed by 250-pound defensive ends. And, you know, freaking Washington State is just – and credit to them, man. They keep their guys fresh. They're just rotating people. Yeah, in and in they were rotating in and in. heavy. Um, I mean, between both teams, there was 42 different players. This includes, you know, uh, offensive players that got tackles. But 42 different players got a tackle in the game on Saturday. That is insanity. <laughs> That's a lot. That's crazy when you think about it, man. Like That's, 42 people got a tackle. All starters and – 22 out of 20 or 20 out of 22 backups. Yeah, that's crazy, bro. <laughs> 42 wow. people got a tackle. Um, but you know, the offensive line just needs to improve. That's that's one of the starters was out. Starts. I don't remember, I don't remember yep. which one it was now. One of the starters was out, so like obviously that affects things. Um, 
did you have other stuff you wanted to throw out there for what can improve? Nope. Just just offensive <clears throat> line. Offensive line. The trenches is where it starts. That is where everything starts and stops. It's like they say in, in all sports. You cannot win a game in the first quarter, but you can lose a game in the first quarter, right? You are not winning many football games if you get your ass whooped up front. That is point blank period. That goes for professional, high school, peewee. You get your ass whooped in peewee, you, you're losing. You know, my stepson, he scored a touchdown this last week in our game on Saturday. But you know what else he did? I told him, if you're going to be on the damn field, you're going to do everything great. He got a great block for, for another kid in our team that sprung him into the end zone. Nice. He blocked one guy, bounced off him, went to another guy, blocked another guy. That kid went right up the sideline, scored a touchdown. I'm like, think about how happy you just made that kid. That kid's going to talk about that for a long time because you are unselfish. It all starts up front. Yeah. So, <clears throat> for me, outside of the offensive line, you just need a better push from that, especially in the run game. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking at Marcus Allen. Like, I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to get down on him. I'm not going to bash him. It's just, hey, the ball hits you in the hands, bring it down. Yeah, you're a um, big guy. Catch that shit. Yeah. Um, the Badgers need to work on limiting big big plays, especially against screens. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it means, you know, playing a little closer to the line, just identifying the motion that's going to set those up or the the linings. Um the, the pre-snap um, personnel, uh, just identifying that better. Uh, the Badgers needs to, need to do some work against screen plays. When it comes to a little bit bigger of a sample size, we can potentially look at how to change some be. of these things. But off the top of my head and looking at these games, like this, this is the things that I'm noticing so far in two games. I thought Leonard was going to adjust in the second half, but he still played it the same way in, in the second half. I mean, the first half, I thought he was going to adjust in the second half. Mm-hmm. When they're running that stack, and you know they're trying to run the screen, right? Mm-hmm. Why would you not have your corner hedge inside? You know, like a right. screen, like you know, in basketball, you know, a guy's gonna, you know, go over right. this way, or he likes to go to his left. Why would you not hedge that screen and have the sideline be your extra defender, so that the guy that's playing back, because that's not a bad idea to just stack your corners like that. Have right. one guy hedge inside, and then force him. A, force him back that way the big one that came was i think they had two wide receivers stacked then they had a third one motioning towards the formation yep yep. so that his his momentum was carrying him towards the middle of the field and that's where i bring up just that recognition you see that guy starting to move towards the line like just identify that and be ready to cut it off yeah so obviously this is way easier said than done it's a lot easier to look at it as X's and O's than through through a helmet and a face shield. And we have a lot of new players, you know. So. Right, transfers. We'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. We'll see. Yeah, you know that's that's why we need bigger I mean, sample sizes so we can figure this stuff. And we've out. been without our top two corner, two of our top three corners, you know, right. for most of the year. Uh, we might be getting one back though this next game. All right. Well, let's start with let's start with the Badgers offense versus New Mexico State's defense. New Mexico State coming in 0 and 3. They've played three games already. Um, New Mexico State coming in 0 and 3. Let's talk about the Badgers offense versus New Mexico State's defense. All right, man. I'll tell you what, if they lose this fucking game, it's gonna be a way different tone next week. So we're gonna talk about New Mexico State defense first. They give up 27 points per game. Uh, 144 pass yards, 194.7 rush yards. That's an average that they give up. That's not good. <laughs> um, 
and they've allowed teams to go 22 for 43 on third down. That is 51% success rate. The Badgers on offense, 26 points per game. So probably going to score in the 20s, I would assume. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, 233.5 pass yards, which is not bad, actually. And 197.5 rush yards. Um, The Badgers are 12 for 24 on third downs. And they have an average time of possession of 33 minutes and 50 seconds. So when you take all that stuff into consideration, you got to you got to say that this game is playing right into the Badgers hands again. Right. Kind of like what we fought last week. But, you know, this is a New Mexico State team. This is not a Pac-12 team. Now, Washington State is not a good Pac-12 team, but they still are a power five conference team. They play against the USC's and the Oregon's. UCLA. Yeah, they play against big, big boy teams. So they're not. Yeah, they're not scared to go into a big stadium like they were talking about with the quarterback. Like this team has been in big moments before. So Wisconsin, run the ball. I hope the offensive line is. I hope there's one person randomly out there that is part of the Wisconsin Badgers football offensive line, and they hear me talking shit about them standing straight up because that shit is bothering the hell out of me. Get your ass down. Let's power this baby home. I think those of you that are watching, can you tell what position that Jake played in high school? You can, you know, <laughs> dude, when you go through that goddamn metal contraption and you know that you have to squat like duck walk and it, it's only like a yard, but it feels like a hundred yards. You learn to keep your goddamn ass down. I'll tell you that right now. Cause if you tink your head, you're doing it again. You don't want to tink your damn head. Stay your fucking ass down and stay right here, baby. This is it. I can control oh. everybody's life right here. You're going nowhere. If I get you right here. Yeah. This is my power zone, right? They talk about power zone. Power zone is your shoulders to your mid thigh. I keep you right here, and I'm 350 pounds, and I can squat a thousand. You're going nowhere. He was a uh, kicker like me. Yeah, yeah, Jake played punter. I can, you know, when we're done, I will tell a funny story about me trying to be a punter. I will tell a funny story when we're all done. But I went backwards. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> the Badgers offense. What I'm looking at, um. Actually, I looked at New Mexico State's defense. So I went back and I watched the highlights of their games against Minnesota and Nevada. Um, they tackled well against Minnesota, but every time they made first contact was four or five yards away from the line of scrimmage. And Braylon Allen does not go down very often at first contact. So if that's the case, you know, you know, between the 20s, just pound the rock. This is the game where the Badgers can play their style. Um, and be effective against Nevada. They were not a good tackling team at all. They're giving up lots of, of broken tackles. Um, it seems like the middle of the field against New Mexico state is where it's open for the passing game. So I think this could be more of a, uh, a clay Cundiff having more than, you know, just touchdown receptions, but I think actually some, some, uh, some possession down work. Um, and then, you know, the New Mexico state defense can be worn down. Um, they, they get worn down by the, you know, the Badgers style of play essentially. Um, so that's, that's what I'm looking for from the Badgers offense. Um, is there a matchup that you're watching as far as the Badgers offense is concerned? I keep talking about it. No, I'm going to talk about Graham Mertz. Uh, I do think it. Graham Mertz, do it. um, he's going to, he's, he's the guy, um, him yeah. versus, you know, the middle of the field, their DBs, et cetera, et cetera. I think, you know, you talked about Marcus Allen. He's not going to be the one that has a great game. 
Um, I actually think I agree with you. I think Cundiff playing that middle of that field, dude, he's going to yeah. fucking eat, bro. I fully expect if he does not have, I'll say seven catches. If he does not have seven catches, because I also, I watched their highlights. It was only against Minnesota though. But if he does not have seven catches, I'll be highly disappointed because that shit was wide open, bro. I'm going to say, just, I'm going to say confident five. In ability. five? Okay. I'm going to say five. Because you brought up the eight, he had completions, the eight different receivers. So, like, I feel like this is going to be one of those games where, like, Cundiff will have five, like, Eschenbach will have one, and Rucci will have one, and and Braylon Allen will have three, and Marcus Allen will have three, and DK will have four. And yeah. so I think this is going to be another one of those games where the ball is kind of spread around. But um, for me, too, I'm watching Graham Mertz. It's all eyes on Graham Mertz after the game that he played last week. Yeah. All right, let's switch to let's switch to defense. The Badger defense versus New Mexico State's offense. <laughs> well, when you look at the points per game, they're dead even. <laughs> That's not good for New Mexico State. Um, New Mexico State averages um, giving up, or they they average scoring eight point three points, one hundred and thirty six point three pass yards, one hundred and three point three rush yards, a lot of threes, and they have scored twenty five total points in three games. That is not good. Uh, they hold the ball for 25 minutes. They are 11 for 35 on third downs. That is 31%. So that's piss poor. You look at the Badgers defense, 8.5 points, 55 rush yards, 193 pass yards. That'll go down this week. And they have only allowed their opponents 5 of 22 on third down. So that is still something to hang your head on as a third down defense. But that'll, that'll also help playing this game. Um, I know you're probably going to ask somebody that, that I'm watching. So I'm just going to give my answer right now. It is Torcio. I think Torcio is going to have two picks in this game. Mm. I was, I put on the corners. I think they were better last week, but they need to get some more confidence before we play Ohio State. So that's what I'm looking for is for the corners to get some confidence. Oh, yeah. I had an injury report. Uh, Badgers could get Justin Clark. He missed the first two games. He, he was slotted in to be our starting nickel corner. Um, he's a very, very experienced guy. 47 games played, 18 starts. 115 tackles, four interceptions, and 16 pass breakups. So he's a guy that's Sheesh. played big-time football. Um, we've also been without number one corner, Alexander Smith. He looks like he's likely to be out again, which sucks. But Yeah, well, Jay Shaw is healthy, I think. So Yeah, hopefully we'll get – Two out of three we'll ain't bad. I, hear, I agree with that. <laughs> Brewers, listen up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm looking at, for New Mexico State, they're turnover-prone. So, like Jake said, just take advantage of that. He's looking for Torcho to have two picks. Um, mm -hmm. They have only taken three sacks in three games. So, you know, Pavia is the better of their two quarterbacks, um, which is kind of rough to say because he's 18 for 45 on attempts, uh, which is not a good percentage. No, nope, um, that's bad. He's made some very ill-advised throws that have gotten some interceptions for him. He's got three interceptions, but – um, so this is the thing with Pavia. They will call some runs for him. He is one of the leading rushers on their team. So they will call some rushes for him, but on plays where they don't call, they don't call it specifically for it to be a running play for him. He doesn't really look to run. It's really weird, but I noticed it while watching the highlights that if it's not a designed run play, he doesn't look to take off. Hmm. It's weird. weird. Um, the New Mexico State from the three games that I watched, like the not a lot of separation from their wide receivers, um, and then like I said, potentially a turnover prone 
quarterback, like all of those things, you know, should, I hate the word should, but should work into the Badgers favor. And hopefully Nick Herbig can get into the backfield uh, like he's done and like he will continue to do. So give me your X factor for this game. Uh, my X factor is still Graham Mertz. I think he's going to ball. I, I'm going to put a bold prediction out there. Graham Mertz is going to throw for 400 yards. Ooh, that's good. I mean, he's been what? He's been over 200 both games so far, right? He's going to have a big game this week, man. Hey, I'm, right. I'm looking for DK to catch a bomb. Maybe Mark. Dude, Allen. if DK scores a couple touchdowns, that would be good. He can keep on my 10 plus touchdown bowl prediction. <laughs> um, I put Chesma Lucy. I think this is one of those games where the Badgers could have two 100 yard rushers. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, so I went with that. What is your key to victory? My key to victory is stop hurting yourself. Mm. The penalties, the turnovers, et cetera, et cetera. goals is another one we didn't bring Yeah. Up. God damn it. Because, like, I mean, he's got a great leg. We've seen it in pregame that he's hitting, like, 55, 57 yarders. Mm-hmm. It's just when he gets into the game that, that it's off. Like, just you got a great leg, dude. Just trust it. Yeah, trust the process. Trust your teammates. Preparation. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, stop hurting yourself. Uh, that That is my keys to victory. Stop with the penalties that kill your own drives because they were moving the ball like crazy mm-hmm. last week and they would kill themselves. Yep. Um, the yard stop. totals show that. So, yeah. Yeah, stop, stop hurting yourself, <clears throat> man. Our only 37-point favorites. Yeah, they only 37. Yeah, all right. Well, for me, I went with balanced offense. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go along with Jake's 400 yards for Graham Mertz. I'd love to see it. But I think it's going to be more of those one of those games where it's like 250 from Graham Mertz, and I do think the Badgers have 200 yard rushers this week, um, and then just to control the turnovers. Um, that's so that's both ways too, by mm-hmm. not committing turnovers on offense and by creating some turnovers on defense, um, whether it be taking advantage of the ill-advised throws that Pavia makes, or you know, catching him running on a on a play where he's you know not taking care of the ball and just punching one out, just creating some turnovers on defense, controlling turnovers on offense, and then just playing with balance. Like the Badgers have playmakers at all of their skill positions on offense. They do. So use them all. Use all of them. Yeah, I agree. All right. Do you do you have a weather report? Uh, weather report. Sun in the morning. Increasing clouds during the afternoon, high around 80, wind south-southwest 10 to 15 miles per hour. There will be rain on Saturday night into Sunday, so Hmm. do with that what you will. Hmm. Cody said the Badgers played New Mexico one time in 1962. They beat them 69-13. to That is nice. Nice. Why? Cody, you did that on purpose. Why not? Why not? You say why, I say why not. <laughs> why not beat them 69? Dude, we were fucking bad back then, too. Holy shit. Oh, man, that's awesome. 69? <laughs> Please do it again. Oh, man. Give me give me your score prediction for this Saturday. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. So I, I looked at all their scores <laughs> for their, their last, their games they played this year. Jesus, I'm tongue-tied now. That was funny. Um. They lost to Nevada 23 to 12. They lost to Minnesota 38 to 0. And they lost to UTEP 20 to 13. I'm picking Badgers 45 to 3. 45 to 3. I went 
a little more. I don't. I don't know that I want to say generous because it's still not good. But I went thirty-seven to six. I gave New Mexico State a pair of field goals. Sixty-nine, thirteen. If they six, <laughs> if they sixty-nine them, bro, I'm going crazy. <laughs> they better not sixty-nine them. They better not. <laughs> you got sixty-nine. You better not, bro. Bro, all right. Let's just say the Badgers <laughs> score their tenth touchdown, right? If you are Calvaruso, do you miss the extra point on purpose? I'd be on purpose. I'd be tempted. <laughs> I've seen I, it happen before too. It was in a college game. Dude missed the extra point on purpose. So they'd be stuck on sixty nine, and the crowd went fucking nuts. <laughs> I would be tempted. I'll tell you that. Oh, do you, th- do you awesome. think your coach? He said, "Go for two and kneel." <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Oh god, uh, that would be childish. And Chris would never do that. Um go for two. But I'm worried if we scored 69, our offense would be playing so goddamn good, we'd probably get it. And then we'd score a lame number like 71. And I don't want to do that. Yeah, that's not that's no fun. Just, 71. Just, just miss the kick. Unless, like, unless it happens against Nebraska, then scoring 70 is fun. Just yeah, that's touche. Um <laughs> just like set up for the extra point and then have like the snapper be like, oh no, I dropped it. Yeah, and fumble the ball like, and throw like, a ball to- and it goes. It goes into the student section, and like we're like, oh, God, what happened? I just threw it out of the end zone. I didn't want an intentional grounding. I didn't want an interception. Yeah, I didn't want a, two points for the other team. I didn't want to be this game 69 to 8. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Would that oh, that's funny. awesome. Oh, thank you for that, Cody, by the way. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right, man. Do you have anything else that you want to bring up about the Badgers or Brewers? No, uh, just hoping the Brewers can win tonight. Hopefully the Padres are still losing. And let's hope for 69 for Wisconsin now. That's what I'm pulling for now, 69. Um, so I want to put out there, you know, we started – 60 to 9. <laughs> we started this show off kind of heavy, talking about, yeah. um, you know, criticism and, and negativity versus positivity and, you know, being accused of us being just sunshine and rainbows and coach talk and, um, you know, it's yeah. – you know, we've gotten to a point now where we've discussed the Badgers and we didn't, you know, bash any of the players, despite nope. some players not playing well. You're you're not going to catch us bashing players and saying this guy fucking sucks or anything like that or that the season is over. We just had a whole bunch of fun laughing about the Badgers. We did. Because it's, it's there's still ways to have fun. Even if you lose, there's still positive takeaways to come out of losses. Jake and I are firmly uh, of the win or learn mindset, not win or lose. Obviously, you lose games, it happens. But Jake and I choose to learn from the losses instead of bashing our, our favorite teams. I don't wait for the whole fucking offseason for them to have a loss and me to not enjoy the rest of the games. Color me crazy, but I enjoy watching my teams play. That's like literally why they're my team. Like I pick them and like they have like a season and mm-hmm. like I watch all the games and I enjoy that. That's crazy. I know, but people try that. Yeah. And before you go running to social media to post something yeah. negative in a group, think about the people that are going to see it. Yeah. Because it's not only going to negatively affect you, it's going to negatively affect others. But picture you post a positive takeaway from a game that one of our teams loses. 
Sure, you're going to have the people that say, you know, whatever, this team sucks, this team's trash, this team's not going anywhere. But you will still have people that agree with you, and you will still find that validation because there are positive fans in our fan base. Jake and I are among them. They are out there. We just need to, as a collective, you know, work on flipping that mindset from a negative to a positive one. So uh, that's what Jake and I are trying to do. So thank you, people, for watching. Uh, if you want to come see us live, we will be doing our Packers show on Sunday morning this week. You get a, a live Sunday show this week instead of the Friday night. Um, we will be at Game Day Sports Bar in Appleton. Uh, that'll be starting at 11 o'clock, so you can come and see us live and in person. And, um and get some food while you're at it. They will have all the noon games uh, for the NFL going on there before the Packers start on Sunday night football. So um, come and see us in person. And uh, thank you everybody for watching and commenting along and we will see you Sunday. Yes, sir. Take care, buddy. You too.